Hello there. Welcome to episode 88 of the Finding Your Momtra podcast. So happy to have you listening in yet again. Um, I am so proud to feature yet another mom author on today's episode. We have Tejal Patel. She is a former divorce attorney turned mindfulness and meditation advocate for moms and kids. She's a speaker. She hosts a podcast with her son called Time In Talks. And she's the author of the book Meditation for Kids, 40 Activities to Manage emotions, ease anxiety, and stay focused for kids ages four to eight. But I have it and I have just started implementing it with Ben, um, who's just turned three and we are really loving it. Um, He's actually doing his deep breaths on his own and talking to me about it. And it's been really interesting to see him learn and for me to learn alongside him. Um, The book is not just for kids. It's, it's, kid-friendly language, but it's definitely activities that us as parents can use when things are getting stressful. Um, So in today's episode, she shares her journey from divorce mediation to meditation and the work she's doing for moms and kids around the world. She even shares tips for getting started and for getting your co-parent on board if they're not so sure about this meditation stuff. So I hope you'll enjoy our conversation and please go support Tejal by giving her a follow on Instagram and of course, picking up your own copy of her awesome book. Enjoy the show. This is a place for you, mom. We're here to explore our super mom strength and softness. We share real talk about parenting, relationships, mom guilt, self-care, and more. We're real moms, just like you, chatting about life and bringing you tips and strategies for showing up as your best self. So throw up your mom bun, grab your coffee, and tune in to this week's episode of Finding Your Momtra. I'm Karen Liebner, mom of two, lover of all things coconut, and your host. Thanks for joining me. It has been a minute since I shared any of my goodies with you, and I wanted to let you know that if you haven't already grabbed it, my Calm the Chaos of Motherhood downloadable is still available, and I placed it right in my show notes for you to grab today. I think this is an essential piece for you if you are coming right off of quarantine and homeschooling and right into summer break, and all of this has you a little bit frazzled. I cover my four pillars of a fulfilling motherhood, and I give you a chance to think about how these impact you and your family individually. Uh, It's not a one-size-fits-all. It's for you to do the work and to use these pillars uh, to show up in the way that you've always wanted to. And I think that this download is going to do that for you. So grab yours today and enjoy today's episode. Hi, Tejal. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, Karen. Thank you for having me. Um, So Tejal Patel is joining me today. She is an author, a mom, a former divorce attorney. Can't wait to hear about that. (laughs) And she is going to tell us a lot about her journey and and offer some some tidbits and tips to help all of us, especially we're recording during quarantine. I keep saying that every week. I'm like, you know what? Maybe by the time this comes out, we won't be in quarantine. And then we are still. So <laughs> hopefully by the time this one comes out, we won't be. But um, Tejal, why don't you start us off by telling us a little bit about your journey um, from being a divorce attorney 
to now being a certified mindfulness meditation and Ayurvedic advocate for moms and kids. I would love to hear what inspired you and how you ended up where you are. Yeah, so I took rather traditional path. I went to college, I went to law school, and then I was there I was in my mid-20s. Uh, I was a divorce attorney. I specialized in all out-of-court divorce resolutions. So hmm. that basically meant that I practiced divorce mediation and something called collaborative divorce. And 99% of my clients were parents, and that's why they were attempting to amicably you know, end their divorce. Mm. And the interesting thing with the collaborative divorce is that you not only have attorneys, but you also have a financial professional and also a mental health professional. So it was very interesting being in that dynamic of listening to the mental health professionals help the individuals go through their divorce. And a lot of times the conversations became about their children. And this was at the same time when I was practicing law that I was experiencing my own kind of personal existential emotional crisis, I would say. Yeah. And when, when I was listening to my clients talk about their children who were being, some of them being clinically diagnosed with anxiety, it really triggered me because I myself as a child struggled with anxiety Mm. and it was never diagnosed. However, I knew that there was something that, you know, I was quirky. I was different. The way that I processed things was a little bit difficult and extreme for my parents, but listening to these parents talk about my child has anxiety. I was like, that's what I had as a kid too. And the interesting thing is, is that, that never went away, that mm. it manifested when I was a teenager and manifested in my 20s. And what I was experiencing at that time with the major panic attacks and the anxiety, which I thought was related to my job and my current, you know, I was newly married. It was all a result of this patterning that I didn't have tools to handle. Right. And so my own journey personally became, I went to yoga and then I did learn mindfulness and meditation. It kind of opened me up to that realm. And I really knew that I could have benefited deeply if I knew these tools when I was younger. And I knew for a fact what was in front of me at that moment is that my clients' children and my clients could really deeply benefit from this. And so interestingly, for some of my clients who were open to it, I would trickle in some of the the breathing resets or the things that I was learning. And so many of them reported back like, wow, I did this with my son or my daughter and this really helped them or this is really helping me. And so for me, that was kind of my catalyst to kind of explore. And I got certified in children's mindfulness, yoga, um, and meditation. And my husband and I owned preschools at the time in South Jersey. And I decided that, you know what, I'm going to start bringing these tools to our classrooms. Mm. And so 10 years ago, (laughs) I started doing that and I, about five years ago, I realized very, uh, as, as my practice was starting to get bigger and I was going to more schools, I realized that unless parents and teachers were practicing and reinforcing these tools in children's life, that was going to be the determining factor if children were going to really embody these tools now and in the future. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah right. And so that's what my practice and my business really shifted. I started going to universities and educating teachers how to bring it in the classrooms. And then when I became a mom myself, I really started coaching parents and moms specifically how to bring these tools of meditation and mindfulness into the home setting and into mom's lives. And now as an author of the book, Meditation for Kids, which 
I think it's a divine synchronicity that it was launched and it in the midst of the, the pandemic. Absolutely. Which, <laughs> I can't plan for that, but it's been so well received because we're actually in the mindset of recognizing that our children's mental health and our own mental health is equally as important to prioritize as our physical health. And now yep. we've been given, whether we like it or not, this time to start to introduce and start to explore that. And mm-hmm. so that's where it kind of led. I love that. I don't, you probably don't know this about me, but I'm a former um, early childhood educator. I did that for about 10 years. So, oh, that's so, awesome. <laughs> so very much, and I love, you know, all of this stuff, but I, I worked in like humongous inner city schools with like 35 kindergartners. And if I had had the resources and the time and the support to be able to incorporate this in my classroom, it would have been there. And the the thing you hit the nail on the head with is you can do a lot in school or you can do a lot at home. But when there's that, that bridge between both of them and things are taught and reinforced in both places, it has such a bigger impact. So that's really, really important piece of that. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your book? It's a self-help book um, for moms of kids or parents of kids ages four to eight, you say. Um, tell us a little bit about um, what someone can expect from the book. What kind of, uh, you know, guidance does it provide? Like if you're yeah, a, a so brand, brand new to it or is it, a, you know, someone already knows should they jump in? How does that work? Yeah. So the reality is that many of us have not learned these tools when we were younger mm-hmm. and we weren't parented like this. We weren't mm-hmm. parented mindfully in certain experiences and situations. So the idea here is, is that we have a lot of misconceptions just because, you know, over the last couple of years, mindfulness and meditation has really blown up. It's become these hot buzzword items. And yep. so the first big drawback that people will have like I can't meditate I can't sit still there's no way that my child can learn it (laughs) or you know right like there we have these preconceived notions and so these are the most common things that I hear or I don't do it so there's no way that I can teach my child yep and as someone who's been teaching and practicing and educating parents and teachers this is what I have to share is that The first thing is when we're looking at meditation is really understanding what does meditation for kids really look like and for you if you're a beginner. Mm -hmm. And so many of us have this idea of, you know, meditation is sitting quietly, closing your eyes, taking deep breaths, and the purpose is to clear out your thoughts. And I think that's where the misconceptions start happening because Mm -hmm. that's Though there is the idea of like sitting still, first, the purpose of meditation is not to stop your thoughts. Because just like the heart has been designed to beat, our mind in is a tool that is designed to think. Mm. And so the nature of our mind is meant to have thoughts. The thing is, is that why it feels like so much like a nuisance is because currently it's almost like, say, if you have a car and every time you turn the steering wheel to the right, your car turns to the left. And every time you turn to the left, your car turns off. It would be a very stressful situation if your car didn't do what you wanted it to do, right? It's like, okay, we're, we're kind of going at wind here and we're kind of winging it. And that's really what's been happening for us. Our mind is a tool that's 
designed to think. However, it's been a nuisance because we haven't learned how to train it to slow down. So I mm. want you to kind of think of it as like this. Currently, our mind is like, the thoughts are like, it's like rush hour traffic. <laughs> it's loud, it's noisy, it's constantly like things are bumping into each other. And so the instinct is, oh, is meditation meant to like jump out into the middle of traffic and stop all the cars? No, you're going to get pummeled over. <laughs> that, no, this is such a great analogy. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm all about analogies and metaphors. That's why I teach kids because it's right. very playful. But yeah. I think this is really important to understand even as grownups, like getting on the same level of like what all this really makes sense for us before we can even talk about what meditation for kids looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so th- that's what we kind of think. It's like, okay, because it's so loud and noisy up there, we want to stop it. But that's not the purpose of meditation. You kind of want to think of it, meditation is like creating an experience of 2 a.m. traffic on a Tuesday night. So mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that there's no cars on the road. It just means that there's more space between the cars and the road. Mm. The thoughts are always going to be there. But the idea is learning how to train your body to slow down, training your breath to slow down so that your mind will follow. So you'll have the 2 a.m. Tuesday night traffic type of experience. Mm. So the thoughts are always going to be there. And so what we think of like that quintessential sitting down meditation with our eyes closed is what's a category of what's called passive meditation. And passive meditation is what I refer to as the CrossFit of meditation. (laughs) So you would never, ever, ever tell someone who's never worked out a single day in their life, hey, I'm going to throw you into a CrossFit class. (laughs) It's going to fall flat on their face, literally. They will be, either they'll give up before they actually experience the benefits, or it's just going to be way too hard for them. Yeah. And so that's number one problem is that that's what we think what meditation is whether it's for our child or for ourselves like we have to slow down sit down sit still close our eyes and just be completely still and our mind needs to start clearing out and you build up to that Mm -hmm. that's not where we are and so when we look at what meditation when you're building it um with children or even yourself we start with a category of what's called active meditation now active meditation is a form of meditation that has mental anchors already placed into the meditation so what it's basically training you to do is focus on one thing at a time but your brain is focusing on something so it Hmm. could be for example with um it could be an affirmation so your mind is focusing on a specific word or you're holding your body in a specific way or touching your body in a specific way another thing with kids when you teach them to take deep breaths like in this book specifically you don't just say take a deep breath in and out. You have them move their hands in a specific way mm. that stimulates what they're doing. So, for example, in the book, there's a breath for anxiety. And so the breath for that is taking a deep inhale in and slowly letting the breath out of your mouth. And we call this windy windmill breath because what you do is you bring your fingers in front of your mouth and you twist, twirl them around each other, circle them around each other mm. every time you take an exhale. So they're feeling their their mind is focusing on their body moving. Yes. And so what essentially you're doing is you train your brain to slow down when you tune and focus on your body. And as soon as your mind and your, your breath starts slowing down and you start focusing on your body, your mind immediately will start slowing down and you'll mm-hmm. get that 2 a.m. on a Tuesday night experience. So we're not beating the 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 mind at the mind level, we are connecting with ourselves and learning essentially how to be mindful with ourselves Mm -hmm. and slowing it down. So 
what you can expect in this book is that you train children kind of like the ABCs. There is a curriculum over the 10 years that I've taught kids. There's a curriculum that I actually um, create. And with my boys, I actually start the practice of planting the seeds of the vocabulary and the words um, through songs when mm. they're between the ages of one and three. Mm-hmm. And then between the ages of two and three, that's when we're starting to trickle in active meditation, active breathing exercises. And then by four, they can start practicing um, a little bit more of the active meditation. And then by the, the goal is, is that with continuous practice, by the time that they're six or seven or eight, they can actually sit for a little period of time. And we don't focus on how many minutes. We focus on how many breaths. So, mm. it's, so it takes away the, the pressure on children so they could sit still for a period of time once they have the foundation. So it works like this. Active meditation, eyes open, moving your body. The second phase is active meditation, but your eyes are closed and you're moving your body. And then the third phase is um, active or passive meditation. So your eyes are closed and then you're, you're sitting still with your body. And that's how you train yourself and your kids how to learn how to meditate. And that's what in the book, I go through 40 different exercises um, based on, I've organized it based on the type of stress that you experience. So mm. there's a chapter, um, you know, if you're experiencing sadness or physical stress, which is basically like um, feeling bored or tired mm. or, um, and you need to boost your energy. Those are great morning exercises versus at nighttime, you're trying to relax your energy, tuning down. So there's a chapter of exercises for that versus, um, focusing your mind, which is all about building the art of concentration, learning when you have anxiety, what's the right breathing exercise, what's the right yoga posture to move energy out of your body before you can actually even sit still. And then there's another chapter for anger, for those emotional stressors, like anger, frustration, jealousy, what are the right breathing resets and yoga postures and affirmations to do to help you ride out through those big feelings when meltdowns come. And then the last chapter is all about um, harnessing the power of your mind and your intuition. So learning how to create visualization and really harness the power of using the mind at the for the tool that it was meant for. And so it's really a book that will grow with your child, but they have such empowering um, exercises for them to really get the owner's manual of how to... When you're feeling stressed, what are you supposed to do to reset your nervous system, reset yourself to feel calm again the right way? Okay. I knew I was going to love this, but I love it even more <laughs> just hearing you talk. <laughs> so I do have a couple questions for you. Um, you know, especially right now, it's it's such this odd like dichotomy where we're super busy, but we have like nowhere to be <laughs> just as we're like all at home. It's kind of just, I've never been busier and more bored at the same time in my whole life. It's so strange. So, you know, with this stress and, and this time starvedness that we're going through, um, what's your suggestion for, you know, making sure this happens? I mean, to me, it's like, uh, I think you, you make something a priority and, and you commit to it, but that's sometimes not possible. You go in with guns blazing, ready to do this every day. And then a week in, it falls by the wayside. So do you have any suggestions for how to sort of commit or make sure this works or fit it in? Or or how, how do you answer that question? Yeah. So first and foremost, there needs to be a mindset shift here. Mm -hmm. And so up until this point, mindfulness meditation has been looked as a luxury. It's been something Mm. that we come to ourselves 
or teaching our children, it's been like, yeah, you know, if we're into it, we'll carve out some time to do it. Yes. It's kind of like an extracurricular hobby. And what we're recognizing right now is that life is largely unpredictable. It is out of our control and large emotions and big emotions are a natural part of life. So we've been so focused on making sure our kids are happy, making sure we're happy and we're living a happy life. The problem is we forgot that we also have to learn how to have how to handle unhappiness. Mm. What happens when those normal emotions like anxiety and anger and frustration and disappointment and grief, which is a natural part of the human experience, come up? And that's what this pandemic is largely highlighting for us on a global level, that these this is part of the human experience. And so what we're recognizing, the most important thing is that if we're going to, and this is not a one and done deal after the lockdown, just, you know, yes, we're having a health crisis right now. There's going to be an economic crisis. There's going to be a mental health crisis. This is going to change our world for ourselves and our children forever. Mm. And what we're really called is that it is a life's lesson and a life skill to know how to be resilient, to, to really have an intimate relationship with your emotions and your energy and understand, okay, I, something triggered me. How do I move this energy out of me? And how do I learn what's the right reset for me to move through the stress? That is going to be, it, it, you know, what school you go to, whether it's Harvard or Stanford, is not going to determine whether you have the skill set. Right. And so what, when we're talking this at a bigger level, but now how do we bring this to children? This is where this mindset shift, mindset shift comes in. So when I'm teaching children or parents of children, this is what I equate it to. Just like we teach our children, we brush our teeth every day to keep the sugar bugs away. (laughs) Just like we teach them, we wash our bodies to keep the germs away. It is going to be a necessity to teach our kids. We brush our brain every single day by taking deep breaths and meditating to keep yucky thoughts and feelings away. Hmm. This has to become like, and the moms that I've trained and coached and taught that this is the new mindset shift that brushing your brain, just like you would never tell your child, you know what? You only have to brush your teeth when you when you eat chocolate. Any other time, you don't have to brush your teeth. We would never said no parent ever. <laughs> so that's, right. So that's the that's like just a it's it's a habit. It's it's informed and it's just planted in their subconscious that they carry. And especially between the ages of zero and eight, when their mind is so moldable. You can teach them just, and what what we do when we start, that's what I said, don't focus on the number of minutes. It's just that you're brushing your brain at least once a day, even if it's for a breath and they can only, it's only available for them to do a couple breaths. You, you celebrate that, you mm. acknowledge that we brush our brain because you're planting a seed. That's what you're doing at that young age. Just like our children learn the ABCs by learning individual letters and they learn the songs and they learn how to read sentences. It doesn't happen overnight. That's yeah. what we're doing here, planting the seeds here so that over a period of time with our consistency of nurturing it, of you know giving our time and attention, it's going to become so habitual that every child in this new generation that we're raising will be like, yeah, remember? Like, mm. yeah, I was taught to meditate when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we brush our brain every day. That just <laughs> needs to be habitual for them. 
Yeah. Isn't it funny? I love how you bring up the idea of, you know, learning the ABCs um, or, you know, a child learning to walk. If they fall down the first day, you're not like, oh, well, I guess you're not going to learn that. You know what I mean? But for some reason, when we're learning skills like this, it's like if you can't sit for 20 minutes, we we say this to ourselves, oh, well, I can't sit for a 20 minute meditation. So we kind of throw it out rather than celebrating one minute or two minute or, or five, you know, or even if it's just 30 seconds, if that's all you can do when you're starting out, it's just like you're saying, you know, if the kid learns the first letter of their name and it takes a while to learn the rest, you don't give up. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, it's exactly. so strange that we, 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 uh, approach a skill like this in a different way. Yeah. And you know what it is because it's really, you know, we fundamentally though we, anybody who's tried it might've felt like, wow, that's kind of hard to do, or it's more difficult than I thought. Mm -hmm. The one point of advice that I wanted to give, because I didn't know this originally when I started. So when I was doing my Kundalini yoga and meditation training, our teachers would say that you always do the yoga first, then you do meditation. Hmm. And the reason of that is that if anybody's having a hard time, like anytime they try to sit down, they feel like they're, they get this impulse that, oh, I need to do this, or uh-huh. their body gets busy, or their mind is like trying to like, you know, push them out to like do something else, like distract them. That means that there is an abundance of energy mm-hmm. that's floating around in our system that we need to move out. And that's mm. why you do the yoga. That's why, um, you know, even one posture, it doesn't mean that you have to do like a 30 minute yoga sequence. Right. So in my book, the reason why I created it, and it's really designed to also be the most easiest primer for parents yeah. to learn these tools because they're rooted in ancient yogic and wisdom. They're just, ex- they're just explained playfully. So it doesn't feel daunting mm-hmm. um, and they're fun for kids, but it's really very much a resource for parents who've never learned this because the idea is that you move your body and then mm-hmm. try sitting. So even if you're like into exercising, move your body and then try to find stillness. You'll move out. Like when we tell our kids, like shake your wiggles out. Yep. There's a, there's a science behind that because yep. there's too much extra energy in us. So mm-hmm. I take it a step further because as someone who's trained in Ayurveda and yoga, I take it a step further because um, you there's different stress creates different energy blocks mm-hmm. and friction and imbalances. So when you know what stress that you experience, and there's only three types that you experience, you'll know the right breathing reset that you have to mm-hmm. do. And then you'll feel the, you'll feel uh, calmer really quickly yeah. because you're helping your body in the right way. Right, right. Yeah, it's like choosing, do you need a Band-Aid or do you need to wipe something, you know, a scratch off or do you need, you know, there's a certain way to heal your body physically. You wouldn't put a Band-Aid on a bruise. That doesn't make sense. So, you know, responding to the right form of stress or energy in your body makes sense. Um, And I love, I meant to say this earlier, the way the active meditation works with the kinesthetic aspect of it. We do that with my son, like pretend you're blowing out candles so that he has something like, you know, physical in front of him, his fingers up like candles and he blows on them to blow out the candles because he needs to focus that energy in his body, not just stand there stiff and take a deep breath because it doesn't make sense to him at two, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Exactly. That's right. Perfect. That's exactly what we're supposed to do. And honestly, even for us too, like, you know, when you think about it, like I like, I even like certain times when I know there's more energy, you don't have to even as a grown up be still. Mm. You can use like, 
you know, you can touch your body or like do those different things to keep your mind engaged so that you can move the energy out. So there's absolutely nothing wrong, even as a grown up, to be using those types of tools. Mm-hmm. Too. Um, so, my last question related to this, and then we're going to ask your mantra if you've been thinking about that. But my last question, question is what if you have a partner um, that you're parenting with who thinks uh, this is all hokey, they're not on board? Do you have any advice for that? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times the word meditation freaks people out <laughs> and I teach in school districts. And, you know, a lot of times the real, the reality of it is, is that, you know, I, even on the book, it says 40 activities to manage emotions, ease anxiety and stay focused. There's no want, nothing wonky or hokey about that. So the, the idea behind this is that, you know, our body, we think that like, Teslas and iPhones and airplanes are the most sophisticated form of technology. Hmm. However, our body and our mind and that connection is actually far superior and the most sophisticated technology that's out there. Yes. However, up until this time, we've been trying to function and we're basically been blundering through life without reading the owner's manual of how to <laughs> optimally use our body, our energy, our mind. What are our emotions telling us? Um, you know, how do we ride through stress? So my, my core portion of teaching this is that it's about learning how to take breathing breaks and brain breaks and mindful moments to check in and to reset. So if the language of meditation makes you feel a little weird, that's why I teach it in a way I think when parents read the book or look at the book and they recognize how playful and I I have a section under each exercise that says take this time and when and why this works there's scientific reasons of how it helps reset your nervous system you know there's a science behind this and basically what I want to teach parents and teach kids is that how to have the owner's manual of your body and your mind and mm. so really my advice is, is that if one parent feels uh uncomfortable just give them the book to look at because <laughs> once they look at it no parent in their right mind is like oh no I don't want my child to know what to do when they're feeling angry or versus when they're feeling anxious or knowing like there's exercises like planting seeds of kindness or climbing mistake mountain like building growth like growth mindset mm. and resilience no parent has ever said nope these are not the skills that I want to teach my child mm. and it's just I Sometimes we get caught up in the semantics. Yeah. And that's why I think for me, it's been really great having a book because so many parents have come to me like, my husband is so on board. He sees the value in this because it just needed to be presented in a different way. Exactly. So, yeah. So that's my advice. Get the book. <laughs> and, yes. You know, that will take the battle away for, from you. So. Yes. I'm like putting three in my cart right now because I have friends who all just had babies and I'm, I'm, you know, in the toddler stage. So this is so needed. <laughs> for us in our house right now there's so much frantic energy with toddlerhood so um and big emotions and all that so um you know I'm preemptively getting this for all my friends (laughs) um so my last question for you this was beautiful awesome I love everything you've had to say um my last question for you is what is your mantra so to me I constantly repeat um Peace begins with me. Peace Ooh. begins with a smile. Oh, I love that. And, that. and I always touch, when we we're talking about using, you know, like touching your body. So I, every time I say like peace begins with me, I touch my thumb to my pointer, thumb to my middle, thumb to my ring. So I say it with 
the affirmation by touching my fingers. So I've said it so much that now in a moment when I recognize there's an impulse of like anger or anxiety, I can just touch my fingertips together and it will automatically remind me peace begins with me. Peace begins with a smile. And then I remember to smile. Oh, I love that. That might be my favorite mantra I've heard yet. And it's been two years of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, um, I am going to link everything in the show notes so that people can follow you and get their hands on this book because it is so needed now more than ever. Um, And I am so appreciative of your time and that we were finally able to get this to happen. (laughs) We've been playing phone tag for a while. (laughs) Yes, this was awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Karen.